In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you do when you have a long journey to take? How do you pass the time on the trip? When I was a kid, I remember passing the time in the car with all kinds of activities from books, games, talking, daydreaming, and making and recording our own radio programs on an audio tape. There's one thing, though, that has become an essential part of cars, namely the radio. And while talk radio does exist, music stations predominate the radio. Not only that, it looks like music also dominates in other audio media formats, such as accessing content through the internet. Music has a long history in many cultures, from our modern music recordings to kids singing door-to-door to communal singing and all kinds of social gatherings. In the early church, when church buildings became rather large as government persecution changed to state support, the people and clergy found it valuable to include the use of psalms in worship. Such psalms were often sung as the people gathered. While waiting for the pastors to show up and while those pastors processed to the front of the church, the use of psalms was generally occurring during the times of movement for the clergy. Now, even before this, these psalms were utilized between the readings, again covering any time of movement that might occur here, such as swapping out scrolls. And before that, the psalms were used in the synagogues and temple worship of the Israelites. Some psalms were likely sung as people traveled to Jerusalem for feast days. In fact, as Jesus rides a donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, it is one of those psalms that is on the people's lips. Our psalm today was possibly such a psalm sung as Israelites journeyed up the hill slopes into Jerusalem, or as they entered into the steps into the temple. This psalm contains a subscription in the biblical text that reads, A song of ascents or possibly a song of steps, or going up. Such fits with the action of literally going up the hillside to enter into Jerusalem. This hymn may also have captured the motion of the priest ascending up the steps to either sacrifice to God or to enter the holy place. What a picture. And, and how appropriate, too, from the depths, from beneath God, from below Him, we call to Him. Not only are we beneath Him as creatures existing under His reign and rule, we are beneath Him because of our sin, because we turned against Him and became rebels against Him, or rebels without the ability to overthrow Him, only the ability to protest Him and to become even less than he created us to be. Such truly is the state of human affairs. God created us to be the crown of creation, but look to what our world and society 
has come. Not only have we lost the perfect harmony of creation that we once had, a world where we had youthful bodies, enjoyable gardening duties, animals and plants ready to live under our command, we lost the harmony we had with God and with one another. And the result is all around us. A world chaotic in its weather with animals often at odds with us, attacking us or running away in fear. Diseases caused by bacteria in the wrong places and viruses meant to control such bacteria now infecting cells of people and others for which they were not meant. We have disordered ecosystems, land contaminated and destroyed by man's use and accidents, water and air polluted by either the new chaotic nature of the world or by our disregard for our calling to care for creation. And to top it all off, we treat one another like dirt. I know we came from dirt, but that's no reason to treat one another like dust we're trying to shake off. We're created in God's image. We have been given value by our Creator who took dirt and made it something more. Oh, how we have fallen. Look at how we treat each other. Look at how we regard those out there that stand on the other side. Those who we think have no sense. Those with less power than us. Those who oppose us and whom we likewise oppose. We, as a people, do not treat one another with love or respect or care. We fight instead. And each of us contributes to this disorder and fight. Each of us bears our part in this. You know your sins, whatever they are. They contribute to this disorder and world of death. For each and every sin is about replacing God's order and design with your own order and design. It's about serving your wants and desires, your priorities, the things you value, the things you think are right and good. But not only do our changes to God's design not work, because those changes are like putting square pegs in round holes, our changes to God's order have no substance. They're twists on God's order that just do not work as well. They actually make things worse. Take, for example, our lies. When we twist the truth and bend it, either trying to make reality be something different or trying to save face and hide what we did. Such lies mislead people and may have disastrous consequences. Look at all the young people who bought into the lies that they were born in the wrong body and subsequently mutilated their bodies. These children have begun suing doctors and hospitals for misleading them and the consequences they must now bear. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There are many other such forces lying to get you to buy their products or to buy their vision of the world. 
Now maybe you think your lies are small potatoes or even white lies. But even these are problematic. You might think, well, what's wrong with white lies that you tell to protect someone's feelings from being hurt? Well, isn't that the exact problem we're facing as a society these days? People are bending over backwards to protect this or that person's feelings. After all, we told them it's okay to lie if it protects someone's feelings from being hurt. We said that such lies were justified which means protecting someone's feelings is more important than the truth. Instead of teaching discretion and kindness, we taught appeasement and flattery. Instead of teaching true love and caring based on God's word, we taught anthropocentrism, human-centeredness, and narcissism. From here, it just gets worse. We are indeed in the depths. We're not just beneath God. We are beneath all His good creation. We're truly in the depths and pits of sin, death, and even hell. Yet there is hope. For we cry and call to God to listen to us, to heed our voice, and His ears are attentive to our prayers, to our cries for help and deliverance. For our Lord and God forgives. He does not hold on to our sins. He does not keep our offenses. If he did, we would surely perish. None of us could stand before him. But since he forgives, since he sent his son to die for us, to remove our sins, we have hope. But not just that, we honor God. We revere him. We properly fear him. We not only recognize his power and might and our condition, our crimes against him and what we deserve, we recognize his grace and mercy and thus honor him respect Him, and rightly live in awe of His goodness and forgiveness. And it is because of His goodness and His sacrificial love that we can wait for Him. We see what we should have gotten, how we shouldn't even be here, how we should have been judged and destroyed, and yet He has not sought our destruction, but our salvation, our rescue, our redemption. And so we wait. We wait for the Lord. We wait because we know He listens. We know He hears. We have seen it in His sacrificial love. We have seen it in Christ joining us in the depths to raise us out of the depths. Jesus descended into our world and into its circumstances, and He walked in our shoes on our paths, facing our troubles, carrying our sins, illnesses, and burdens. Jesus knows our plight and our struggle. He has faced it. He gave his life for us so that we would be forgiven so that our sins would be covered. He is the God who forgives. He is a God worth revering. He is the God for whom it is worth waiting. 
He has brought us up from the depths of sin, liturgically from the bottom of the steps to stand before Him, waiting in His presence for the fullness of His promise. And so as the psalmist waited in expectation and anticipation, so too we wait. He will return to deliver us. His loving kindness throughout history and especially on the cross teaches us that His love knows no bounds. His redemption of Israel and all people fills us with a certain hope that He will bring to a conclusion that work He completed for you and me. We know He has already won the victory. He has already defeated evil and sin. He has already beat the evil one. He has crucified our sinful nature. He has overcome the world. So now, we wait for Him to reveal this victory in its completeness and fullness. We wait for His dawning light, His morning to come, and His shine, His light to shine everywhere that we might see fully what He has done. You have been redeemed. So wait. And while you wait, share your hope and live according to it. Live in the eager expectation, looking forward to what He brings. Order your days with the expectation that you have been delivered, for you are. Live your days with the certainty that sin is defeated, even in your life, for it is. Turn away from this world's enticements and your fleshy desires, and hold on to the hope of Christ Jesus, living a God-pleasing life, because you properly fear and revere your God, who is the one and only, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God has rescued you from the depths and brought you into His home to be His forever. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.